so good you're faithful even when we don't deserve it we love you we praise your name we thank you that you fought the fight that we never had a chance of winning and that you won the fight that we couldn't even imagine we love you we thank you for your son jesus and everybody said amen amen grab a seat real quick
Appreciate that. Wasn't that great this morning? Let's thank our God for a wonderful day so far. What a great God. This morning we are fortunate to have a few families that have asked to have their babies dedicated today. And so we're going to start with um, the Hensley family. Tyler and Jessica Hensley are bringing their new baby boy, Bo Isaac Hensley. Can we thank God for Bo this morning, huh? morning Bo good to see you he is he is uh, he was born on May 26 2018 and for which we are thankful for Bo we're thankful for Tyler and Jessica you know I remember I grew up I grew up Tyler grew up across the street from me and uh, I bought a house caddy corner from where Tyler was raised and uh, watched him go through high school here prayed him through college prayed him to find a great wife and God answered and, uh, and God put these two together, and we have this beautiful baby. We're so thankful this morning. Let's thank God, shall we, for, for this family. Also, to get, also coming are, is Michael and Amanda Todoro. Um, and so I'd like to ask Michael and Amanda to come. And they are bringing Milo Paul. So let's, uh, let's thank God for Milo this morning, all right? And uh, we've had a good time getting to know these guys as well. And I remember it wasn't too terribly long ago. You've guys been around the church about a year and a half, right? About a year and a half, I remember Mike called and said, Hey, I'd like to talk about the things of God. We had a great time, and he's, uh, he's on a journey with Christ, and so, so are you too. And look at what God has done. I know they just recently were married, and so God has done a great work. And, uh, and this is Milo here. And we also have little Anthony. Where's Anthony at? 
right, Anthony's downstairs, all right? They needed a little peace of mind up here. I wanted to make sure, right? Anthony, they were afraid he was going to play the drums. But uh, we, we are so thankful for these families this morning that have come to present their babies to the Lord. And I just want to recognize your families here, uh, Tyler and Jessica. If we could have your parents stand. Are your parents in the building? Uh, the Hensley side of the family, Tyler's parents all the way upstairs. All right, there we go. Let's thank God for them. Tyler's parents upstairs. All right. Jessica, where are they at? I stand up. We want to welcome you. Thank you, all right? Thank you for being here. We appreciate that because these are, these are the people that are going to help, help you raise this child to honor and love God. And, and then also, how about your family? I know, Amanda, you have... Amanda, her row will stand up, right? Her mom, dad, pap, everybody's here. We're thankful for you folks to be here today. That's awesome. And Mike, your mom is here, and this is Mike's mom on the end. Let's welcome these folks this morning. We are so thankful for you. So thankful. And this morning, I always like to recognize your family because your family plays a key part in raising these children. Um, you know, whenever, whenever they're not with you, they're going to be with Grandma, right? And Grandma plays a big part in a kid's life. Grandma and Grandpa, they, they have such a powerful influence so this morning, I'd just like to share a verse of Scripture before we pray over these, uh, over these boys and dedicate them to the Lord. Um, behold, this is from Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. In other words, God says he just blessed. The children are a blessing. And so this morning I know that you, as a couple, came and you prayed and you asked God for these babies. And God has given you these babies. And what, what a powerful opportunity it is for us as a church to steward these babies. Um, because as parents, we're, we're really dedicating you as parents today. Because the, this is a long journey ahead. Bo is going to have a lot of fun. Bo's going to learn. I, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of basketball and things in Bo's future, right? And same for Milo's future. There's going to be some basketball in there, maybe some hunting and fishing. And you're going to teach them all those good things. But the most important thing you're going to teach them is how to love God and how to love each other. And so when we come to the church here, we don't take it lightly. We, we have things happening for children downstairs, but it's not babysitting, folks. I never call our church babysitting. Because we are instilling values in people's lives for future days. And so we're, we're planting seeds. We're, we're planting acorns. You know, when you plant an acorn, you've got a, a mighty oak that grows. And that's what we're doing here. So we want to dedicate your family, uh, dedicate these children today. Pastor Luke has a gift. I'm going to ask him to bring these up and just share with you a small gift from the church here. What these are, these are uh, over a thousand marbles that represent the significant uh, mile markers in your child's life. And so you put them in a jar and as things happen, you remove them because these are how many, uh, how many weeks until they graduate from high school. And so it's, a, it's a, just a reminder of how important time is. And when we kind of put a, a number around how much time we have with our children, it just makes it matter. So uh, just, just know that we are praying for you guys and just keep this as a visual reminder as you raise your child. And, and we're just uh, incredible, incredibly excited to just partner with you guys and pray for you. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, alarming, but what a, what a privilege it is to know how much time we have with our children. And so that's just our encouragement to you guys. Amen. We want you to take those and put them in a jar, a 
clear jar that you can see through and pull out one a week. Don't let the babies play with them, but take them out and put them in another jar and realize that as that goes down, every week counts. And so every week we come to church. That's what we think of. As your kids come in, we think of how every week counts because we know as somebody who's already raised his children and his children, there's no marbles left in our jars. There's just a bunch of dust left in our jars, right? And so as I go and I look at that, I say, wow, what a powerful visual reminder for you of what what God has enlisted you to do. He has trusted you to raise these children to honor and love God. So, uh, and uh, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so you're going to have a lot of ups and downs is what that verse means. And there may be more downs than ups. But we know that we, we plant into the child's life, and God is the one who, who, who gives the increase. So I want to encourage you this morning uh, that we just dedicate them to the Lord. For one day, we want these little boys up here on this stage to come to know Jesus personally. Isn't that going to be exciting? Whenever they realize, whenever, uh, whenever Bo all of a sudden realizes that he needs a Savior, and one day he's going to come home from church and say, Mommy, I want Jesus in my heart. You're going to be able to tell what a powerful day that's going to be. And same for Milo. When little Milo comes home and says, Mommy and Daddy, I want Jesus in my heart. You're going to be able to tell him. That, this is such a powerful opportunity. And so, Milo, we're, we're going to pray for you. He's he got a good handshake. All right? And so I'm going to just pray over these children right now. And if you would join me as a church, let's pray. And uh, let's ask God's blessing on these families. All right? Dear God, I come before you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for, for Bo. Uh, God, we thank you for Tyler and Jessica. I thank you for their families, Lord, that, have, uh, that, that are seeking you, Lord. And this morning as we dedicate little Bo to you, Lord, we know that he come from you. He's a gift from God. According to, Proverbs, according to Psalm 127, he's the inheritance of God to us. Thank you, Lord, that you've given to this great couple your inheritance to have children. And so, God, I lift up to you right now. I lift up little Bo, and we dedicate him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to do your work in his life, that uh, you'll bring him to Christ at a young age, that he will open his heart and trust you, Lord. Uh, We know that you can do this. I pray for Tyler and Jessica, Lord. I pray that you will open uh, their hearts to continue, Lord, to just to be faithful. Give them the strength that they need, Lord, to, to, uh, to raise this child. Uh, day in and day out, when they get up, when they go to bed, when everything in between, to make it all about Jesus, Lord. And I just ask your hand a blessing on this great couple. And I just ask that you'll do continued great work in their life. And Lord, I also pray this morning for Milo, Lord. I thank you for little Milo. And we just lift up Milo to you, Lord. I thank you for Michael and Amanda. I thank you for their families, Lord. I thank you for this family right here as they stand together seeking you, Lord. And they, they, want, they want their child to one day have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They want to teach him the things of God. They want him to, to know who you are and to, to walk in your ways. So, God, we lift up Milo to you. And I just ask, Lord, I dedicate him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord. We just ask you that you would do great things in his life, that you would... Uh, just enlighten him at the earliest age, Lord, when he's so young. May he just hear even now in their home, Lord, hear the words of Jesus. Lord, we think of uh, Anthony, their, 
their other child downstairs, Lord. I just, I just pray for Anthony, Lord. I pray you'll just bring these children unto you. And Lord, we just lift up uh, Michael and Amanda to you, Lord. And I just thank you for this family. And I ask that you will continue to do great and mighty things. And God, we just uh, we th- we are thankful for these families both standing here. We give you honor and praise. And we thank you, Lord, for allowing us as a church to, uh, to be stewards of these families. To help them to find you. To help their children to find you. God, thank you for blessing our church with young people. There's an abundance of babies and we are so thrilled. And we ask you to keep doing your work. Keep blessing us for it is from your hand. I thank you for these families, Lord, for the Hensley family, for the Tadera family, Lord. And I just ask that you will do your work in their life. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we thank our God this morning? Let's thank him. What a what a privilege. Let's just let's just give God another hand for these families. So take a just take a hot second and say hello to those around you and just say good morning, you look good, and then we'll we'll keep moving. So as we uh, keep greeting, just make sure you pass the friendship folders and, and let us know you're here. We're glad you're here. And I just want to make a couple quick highlights. And uh, one, if you probably have noticed the, uh, the extra uh, pieces of furniture and sets on stage, we are getting excited and so ready for the, the best Christmas pageant ever happening on December 6th, 7th, and 8th. And there's more information in your bulletin. Alicia Peterson is available in the lobby uh, if you want to purchase tickets this morning. But there, there's a lot of seats that are really great seats left. And so just encourage you guys to grab grab a ticket. Uh, a lot of kids, adults in it. They're doing a phenomenal job. Beth DiPietro and her team are just, it's, it's what I love is seeing, uh, seeing somebody who's gifted and, and loves what they do doing this play. It's just such a, such a privilege to watch everything happen. So just join us on December 6th, 7th, or 8th, or multiple dates. It's all up to you, but we're excited about this week and what God's going to bring. One more thing I want to highlight is that on uh, Christmas Eve, our times that we're going to gather are going to be 2, 4, and 6. So join us on Christmas Eve, and we're just excited to, to just celebrate the birth of our Savior and, and to sing some great songs and just to hear from the Lord and then you know, go home to our family. So we're excited on Christmas Eve. And one thing I want to highlight is where we're at with the birthday gift to Jesus. So can we just give God a hand for bringing in what he has? What's exciting about this is that 100% of what comes in, 100% goes out. Anything raised over that 83,000 marker will continue to go out to these missionaries, local, national, international. So uh, just be continuing to pray about what is it you would give. Uh, and no matter what size, it's given towards a mission to see lives changed by Jesus. And so we're excited about that. So as I ask the ushers to come forward this morning for offering, if you're new with us, I just want to say we're glad that you're here. It really means uh, a ton to us. And, and even if you're just checking things out, just know we're glad you're here. And, and one thing that as the plate passes by, if you're new, feel free to participate. This is for those who call this church home. And if you would reach in front of you, there's a little orange card that it just asks um, how we can pray for you. And maybe that would be your offering this morning is to let us pray for you. You can just drop that in the offering plate as it comes by. But guys, we're excited to start a brand new series called The Thrill of Hope this morning. So would you join me in prayer? God, we love you. And uh, what a privilege it is to gather this morning in this building. Uh, God, we gather in this building and we gather 
uh, to, to, to see the name of Jesus made priority. And so that's what we do. That's what we're doing here and we continue to do by celebrating these families and these children. And now as we just make you the priority, God, we're so excited to just see how, uh, God, you're going to move and, and move in this time that we have in this morning. So God, would you uh, be glorified in all that we do and say and think. And so we're excited about uh, to see that your mission made clear and evident in our city and in our communities and, and in this world. So uh, as we give now, God, I pray we would give out of that sacrificial heart of just knowing that this might hurt us financially, God, just to give and maybe give beyond our comfort zone. But God, we know that you're on the move and we're given towards a mission that is active to a God who is reigning and active. And so we love you, Jesus, and we just thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. begin a new series, The Thrill of Hope, and as we do, I want to really, my prayer is really that you will be engaged with the God of Christmas, that as we go through Christmas that you will find a relationship with him, that your relationship will become deeper and that you'll grow closer to him. You know, as you think about Christmas, as you go through the whole Christmas season, there's, uh, you know, when you were little, do you remember counting down the days to Christmas? You remember counting, you know, from uh, maybe you had a calendar. Your mom put up a calendar on a wall. At our house, we have one. We put it up. It says days till Christmas. 
You know, maybe sometimes you get so busy you forgot to move those numbers over, you know. And uh, so here we are, the days till Christmas. December the 2nd, you start counting down how many days till Christmas. Maybe you remember as a kid, your parent would tell you, now be good, Christmas is coming. You better be good, Christmas is coming. You remember those things, you know. And it's like, oh, and you just had like this fear, well, I better be good because Christmas is coming, right? Because you know what was coming on Christmas. And, uh, and then as you, as you went through, uh, through the whole Christmas season, you had all that fun, and then you got down till the night before Christmas, and you're upstairs, and you're laying in bed, and you're, you're just waiting for Christmas to come, and your mom said, go to bed, or, or, you know, or you know, Christmas won't come until you go to bed, so you're up there, and you're, you're laying in bed, and you got one eye open, one eye closed, you're waiting to hear the sleigh bells, and, and you know, you got your milk and your cookies downstairs, and you have all this fun, and you're set to go, and then you finally fall asleep. And then you wake up and somehow magically the room is filled with gifts. And you're just, you're just amazed. You're in awe. And so we have this anticipation. And, uh, and that's what we're going to be looking at is the anticipation. Because Christmas is all about, there's, there's an, an element of anticipation. It's this weight. It's this, the thrill of it. There's a thrill. So we're going to be talking about two issues here. We're going to talk about hope. And we're going to talk about the, the thrill of hope. And as you go through Christmas, I'm reminded of the, the first thing that happens at our house is uh, I go down to the basement here and I pull up uh, one of our storage bins. And I think probably everybody has one of these storage bins or, or 13 of them, right? And, uh, and your wife says, go down and bring them up. And you're like, man, a day. That is such a long journey to bring them up. And you're like, oh. I haven't walked these steps 13 times in, since last Christmas. And, uh, and so you do that. And then for us, one of, the, one of the things that happens is, you know, we love to put up a tree. You put up a tree. We have a rule in our house, no tree until all the plates from Thanksgiving, dirty, uh, Thanksgiving dinner have the dirty plates are all clean, right? So we have to clean them up. Uh, and, and some of you put up your tree in October. You have my sympathies. I feel bad for you. Uh, others leave them up till Easter. You just put eggs on the tree. I know everybody has their thing with a tree. But for us... We start our tree the day after Thanksgiving, and it stays up till about the first week of, of, of January. But one of the first things that I do is I go in and I pull out, pull out these things. I pull out these lights, right? And, um, and so as I pull out the lights, you know, the first thing that you do is you pull out the extension cord, and you are going to test your lights, and you want to make sure that the lights work. And if you're anything like me, only half of them ever work. You know, you just get mad and you're just, you're upset because only half your lights work and you go shaking them and you're doing all this stuff to get your lights back together. But as you pull out your lights and you get your lights going, um, one of the great things is that uh, the first sign of Christmas is that the, the, the lights and you start thinking about all the lights. And so you take your lights and you string them all over your house. And maybe some of you, your house looks like this. We'll throw a picture up there. Maybe some of you, your house looks like that, right? Uh, I thought maybe Wally Knoll might do something like that. But, um, you know, so you take your lights and you, and you have this light. And so what happens when we, you know, we all love to see those type of houses. We just don't want to do all the work. That is so much fun. And, and when we go through this Christmas season, we're just so overwhelmed because the light, and we're looking at the light, and the, the lights are beautiful. You see the color of the lights. You see the brightness. The brightness contrasts the dark. Um, I'm one of these crazy people that will just go driving through neighborhoods looking at lights. Did anybody else do that? Okay. I just, uh, I love going over, over on the back side of the tracks farm here, all these new housing developments going in. Uh, and I go through and I'm like looking at lights. I'm like, honey, do you think anybody would be upset if I took a picture of their house? 
She's like, no, they might be creeped out, but go ahead, take pictures, you know. It's like you got all these beautiful lights and, and, and just what you want to do. And then I go home and I have these little lights and I string them on and I look like a Charlie Brown Christmas compared to most of the lights I went out and looked at. And it's like, so all these lights, but lights is really the beginning of Christmas. And when you start putting out the lights, uh, that's the first sign of Christmas. So if you're taking notes, you're filling the blank on the back of the bulletin there. The earliest sign of Christmas is the lights. And as we look at Scripture and we move in, we're looking at the thrill of hope. We're looking at how, how is Christmas impactful? What is it about Christmas that, you know, every year, why do we every year stop and we go through all of this and we look at, uh, look at Christmas again and again and again, not just because it's on the calendar. There's something very important for us to understand. And so we're going to take and we're going to look at some very important thing. We're going to start with light today. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting that uh, Christmas, our December the 25th, we have placed it on the counter in really the darkest time of our season here in Pittsburgh. The uh, sunset today is at 4.54 p.m. Aren't you excited about that? You won't even have dinner in and the sun has already set. On, on December the 25th, I believe the sunset is at 4.59 p.m. And on December the 26th, it is at 5 p.m. So it's starting to go back up. That's the good news. But we're going, right now we're still kind of going down, aren't we? And so it just gets dark so early. You, 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 you barely get out of your office and you're like, wow, it's dark already. My dinner feels like a midnight snack. And so you're going in, you're going home. Well, I guess not everybody snacks as big as I do at night, right? So that's a, that's a, that's a big, big snack, right? But so you go home and you're dealing with all this darkness. And, uh, and the, uh, you know, where, where Christmas decorations first originated out of uh, in uh, places like Europe, uh, that Christmas follows the darkest time there. And so as we look at lights, we put the lights up, I want you to remind yourself of the light, the true light. And we're going to be looking at light, and we're going to look at darkness today. We're going to look at the thrill, and we're going to look at hope. Um, I'm going to take you to a passage here in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. This was written some 700 years before Jesus was born. Now, the, the thrill of hope, I want you to think about the thrill because Jesus was promised. The Messiah was promised for thousands of years. God promised that redemption. He said that, uh, that he would send a redeemer. So as you look at life and you see that there, was a, that there is a promise of a redeemer, there was this sense of anticipation. They didn't know when he would come, but they knew that he would come. They didn't know who he would be, but they knew he would come. And so the scripture gave them indications, but every Jewish boy wondered, you know, when would the Messiah come? And every Jewish parent wondered, when, when will the Messiah come? So as we're looking here in Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to take and look at some of the prophecies of Jesus that were given 700 years before he ever came. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. We're going to get to a verse here in just a few minutes that you're extremely familiar with around Christmas, but I want to give you the background to it so you can understand about the light of, of Christmas. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those, in the, uh, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. What was happening, if you go through Isaiah chapter 8, you'll see that there was a prophecy. Isaiah, the prophet of God, his name means Je Jehovah is salvation. So he comes before the people and he's, he has to prophesy. And he has to tell them good things and he has to tell them bad things. So part of the bad news was that it was going to be a dark, dark time. 
And then he moves on into Isaiah chapter 9, and he says, but the light has dawned. So the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah 9, 5, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. So, so now, now we hear this, and, and you're probably very familiar with verse 6 and 7 there uh, because it's in Handel's Messiah. And, and pastors love to talk about that verse at Christmas time because it, it is the, the foretelling of who Jesus would be. And uh, as we go into this, we're, we're going to look at that in just a few moments. But I want to give you some background because Isaiah chapter 8, the chapter just before this, this great word about who the Messiah would be, about him being the Prince of Peace, the everlasting God. Just before that, we see that Israel is, is going through a struggle. King Ahaz is, uh, is coming and he's leaning to the understanding and he's being swayed by the Assyrians. So instead of coming and consulting God, he's consulting the neighbors. He's going to the Assyrians, to the foreign, to the foreign places. And, uh, and so what Isaiah says throughout, the, throughout chapter 8, he says that there is coming a judgment upon the people of Israel and that God loves his own people, so he gives them a way to go, and yet they follow their own ways. And that's exactly what God does with us. God loves his people, and in order to, to get his people back, he, he, he places these judgments. He places these things in, his, in our lives that will bring us back to God. And so it's all about this love affair that God had for his people. So he, he's talking here, and he says not only are, are the people gone astray, not only is their doom coming, but it, these guys are making some really poor decisions, and, uh, and, and God wants them to come back. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 5 through 10 says that they have chosen a flood over a peaceful river. A flood over a peaceful river. Now, look at the analogy there. A peaceful river. Everybody loves to sit by a peaceful river. It's just beautiful. When we were kids, we sang, I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul, right? Because that's where the peace comes from. It's flowing. It's, it's gentle. He says that you have chosen, Israel had chosen, not peace, but they chose the flood. They didn't chose the peaceful river. They didn't choose the peaceful river, but they chose the, the flood. They chose the destruction by going to the Assyrians, by, by, by not consulting God. By instead of coming to God, they went to the neighbors and asked, asked for help. Um, verses 11 through 15, um, that, they would that they chose a snare over a sanctuary. And as you go through and you read those verses, uh, verses 11 through 15 in chapter 8, you'll find that they, you know, he says that, you know, that God was offering sanctuary. What is sanctuary? It's a place of refuge. It's a place of safety. So they traded the place of safety for the snare. They, they went and they, they traded and they said, I'm going I'm to go to, this, go to the Assyrians and I'm going to take whatever they have to say. And, and so King Ahaz, prophet Isaiah, is trying to get Ahaz's attention. And he's saying, listen, you, you, you better wise up. And so they, they chose the snare. That happens in our life all the time. 
Satan always comes to us and makes it look better than what it is. And whenever we go, we start, to, we start to follow the temptation that Satan lays before us. It's always a snare. And in the meantime, God has a better way. God says, I'm, I'm offering you sanctuary. I'm offering you my presence. I'm offering the peace that comes with me going through life with you. I am with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And even though we have the presence of God, what do we do? We choose a snare. We choose the bait and switch. We think somehow that we're going to miss out on something. And, and, and I just can't trust God. I can't wait for God. And we go through all these things. So we, too, are like the people of Israel. Because the, the people of Israel, they, they chose not to have peaceful river, but they chose a flood. How many times have we chosen a flood? Today, we live in a world that, that, is, uh, that is dark. Look, he says in Isaiah 9-2, the people are walking in darkness, have seen a great light. And we, too, are walking, living in a world filled with darkness and walking in darkness. When you see darkness in the Scripture, think this. Think evil. Think ignorance. So there was an evil. There was ignorance. Uh, This was a time of evil. It was a time of ignorance. It was darkness. And look what was happening when Jesus was born. When Jesus was born, so Isaiah 9, 6 tells us about the coming of the light, the coming of the Messiah. But look what was happening. It was a dark time when Jesus was born. What was happening when Jesus was born? There was violence. There was injustice. There was abuse of power. There was homelessness. Refugees were fleeing oppression. Families were being ripped apart. There was grief. And, uh, and, you know, it just sounds like the world we live in today, doesn't it? And so it was a dark, dark time. And today, I want to say this, that not only... So these prophecies had a direct fulfillment with the nation of Israel, but the ultimate fulfillment was in Christ. But I want you to catch the application today. The application today is that we are still living in a world of darkness, folks. And while we're... There was something that was actually happening with King Ahaz, and King Ahaz made some decisions, and the nation of Israel was about to go through this judgment from God, and God says, listen, there is still hope. This is, this is the difference. When God uh, has to deal with us, he deals with us, but he always gives us hope. There is always hope. There is, there is not a hopeless person. If you may have gotten around people that said, oh, I'm going to turn my life over. I'm going I'm to get my life started again. I'm going to go in the right direction. And it's like time number 700, right? God says, I still have hope for that person. We're the ones who dismiss people. We dismiss and say there's no hope. That's because we live in the darkness. But God has the light. And so there is always hope for, for God. God always has hope. And so as he dealt with the people of Israel, he always provided hope. Uh, many people are walking in darkness. That's the second thing in your fill-in-the-blank this morning. Many people are walking in darkness. And whenever I say many, I, I'm trying to show you there's a difference between somebody who is living in the light, who is growing and walking with Christ in the light, versus those who have not yet had a relationship with Jesus. But truth be known, we all were born into darkness. We all have started out into darkness. And so you see the lights turned on, you come over and, you know, when, when you're, you're on a dark night and you put these lights out and all of a sudden you've got light and it's kind of beautiful and it kind of makes a great contrast. Um, I'll never forget coming back, uh, flying into Ecuador. Every time we fly into Ecuador, I'm always nervous. Um, I'm just nervous every time I fly, I guess, right? But uh, we fly into Ecuador and as, I'm, as you know, we're, you're up in the sky, it's been dark for several hours 
And then all of a sudden, you're coming down out of the sky, and, uh, and you see these little lights. It kind of looks like all these little lights from a distance, right? And, and it's, it's, it's the street lights. You're, you're seeing a town. You're seeing little houses. And you're like, wow, there's, you know, we're getting close. You know that this plane is going to land. And the closer you get to the airport, the more light comes so they can land that plane. Could you imagine trying to land a plane in the dark? I'm sure it could probably be done, but I don't want to be on that plane. Okay, that'd be a horrible place to be. And, and then, you know, uh, another place that I, was, that I experienced some real darkness was in the jungle of Ecuador. Uh, we, we went out there, and, uh, and we spent two nights in the jungle. And I'll tell you what, it was the darkest nights of my life. There's no electricity in the jungle. There's no plumbing in the jungle. There's, it's just dark out there. And there's a, there's a generator I think we used to have a meeting. And then, man, after you walked away from that, it was just dark, dark, dark. And, and yeah, your eyes kind of adjust, but it is dark. And I'm not running around no jungle in the dark. I'll just tell you that, guys. You know, there's snakes out there. There's all kind of things. And so when, when, when there's darkness, there's trouble. It, it's painful. It's, I, there's no sense of direction. You can't find your way because it's dark. And that's the world that we're living in today. We're living in darkness. The people that, that we are, our culture, we're living in darkness. The, the world around us, we're, we're, we're living in darkness. Isaiah 9-2 again, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So what was going to happen to Israel? The light was going to come. But for all of us, the light was going to come. The light was Jesus. It was the Messiah. It was the, this was the prophecy of the, of the Messiah to come. And, you know, we're, we're searching for light. People are searching for light. Our world is dark. Uh, people are searching for it. And, and today you would say that, you know, people are searching for light. And quite often they don't think that they are. They don't realize it, but they're really searching for light. The, the third thing this morning in your notes is that light does not come from within us. Light does not come from within us. We, we can't create the light. The, the Apostle Paul says, in me and my flesh, there's no good thing. I cannot create the light. I cannot produce this, this, this light that needs to be produced. Over in Isaiah chapter 8, again, rewinding to the chapter before, Isaiah chapter 8, I'm just going to read a few verses to you here. He says uh, in verse 19, when men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to his word, they have no light of dawn. So what was happening is the people, and he's in the prophecy, he's saying, look, the people would go out and they would try to muster up light on their own. They would go to the experts. They would go to the spiritists. They would go to the, to, uh, to the mediums and the people that could help. In their mind, they were going to the greatest of help among people. And uh, look what he says here in verse 21, Isaiah eight twenty-one. He says, distressed and hungry... They will roam through the land. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. So here's what happens. The, the, the world is so dark, people are coming and they're, they're going to consult mediums, they're going to consult spiritists. In other words, they're going to everything that they know how to do that, that, will make, that will turn the lights on and it doesn't work. 
And when it doesn't work, when they finally come to the point that, they, that it doesn't work, here's what they do. They shake their fist towards God. And they say, that, you know, they're angry with God. They became enraged and looking up, upward and they cursed their king, their God. Isaiah 8.22, continuing on. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distresses and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into outer, utter darkness. Here's what happens. They're looking towards the earth. That's a powerful verse there. They will be looking towards the earth and only see distress and darkness. They are looking towards the earth to gain, okay? They are trying to gain the light. They're trying to turn the light on. They're trying to fix it. And we can't fix it. Folks, our world is such a dark world, we cannot muster this up within us. Uh, years ago, I read about an about a ad that was placed in a in a newspaper around Christmas time, and the article said something to this nature: said that the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph, and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. Really? See, Christmas is much bigger than a message of that. We we have we have the light within us is what they're trying to say that we can dispel the darkness that we can overcome poverty and justice violence and evil if we'll just work together we can create a world of unity we can create a world of peace and that is not at all what Isaiah says Isaiah says they will look toward the earth and they will only distress and darkness and fearful and gloom that's all it produces you see that's what happens whenever we go to the experts and not to God. Think about that. How do people do that today? They go to the market. Oh man, if the stock does good. If I, oh man, if I just, if the market's doing good, we're gonna be all right. And, and they're trying to find light there. We can fix some, some economic problems. We can fix all these issues, right? How about government? Oh, if we just get our party in there, if we just get this, if, we, if these things just happen. Oh, government. Folks, I don't put too much hope in the government. Our hope's far greater. Listen, the government's not near the light that you need. It's not any light. It's just government. We've got to have it. Uh, technology. How about technology? Man, if we, as, as more we advance and we make life better for people, and listen, technology has certainly helped us. We're out drilling wells for people in remote places that we've never been able to do, and thing, we are helping people, but that's not the light. I mean, every one of you are carrying around some sort of a computer in your pocket. That's not the light. As a matter of fact, I would say this, this takes you away from the light. This complicates your life. This, this agitates it. You look on there and you see what everybody else is doing. You say, oh, I, I must be no good. That's, that's, that's far from light. That's darkness. And, and so, so what happens is we, we see all, people are going to all these places. And, and we do that too. It's just by nature. We, we want to go because we're trying to help ourselves. We're trying to help turn the lights on. Um, the first president of the, Czech, of, of the Czech Republic. He was the last president of Czechoslovakia. The first president of the Czech Republic. He said this. He said that the pursuit of the good life. His name was uh, Vaclav Havel. He said this. He said the pursuit of the good life will not help humanity save itself. Nor, it's demo- nor is democracy alone enough. You see, he saw both sides. He saw, he saw socialism and he saw an attempt at capitalism. And he said, listen, neither one of these things, they aren't going to be the answer. The pursuit of a good life will not help humanity save itself, nor will democracy alone. 
He further states, turning to and seeking of God is what is needed. Then he, he, he adds it another time. He says that the human race constantly forgets that the human race is not God. And so this morning, I want you to see, see this. It's like the experts. We, what do we do? We typically, when you have a problem, what's the first thing you do? You pull out Google. And you go there. You have a headache. I've, I've diagnosed myself a million times. Every time I have a headache, my wife's like, put Google down. And I'll diagnose myself. And I've come to the conclusion, I am a headache. <laughs> I am my wife's headache, right? And so, so it's like, you know, you, you, you come to these conclusions. And what do you do? You go, to the, you go to the experts. In the meantime, God wants us to come to him. Knowledge is good, but listen, it's not the light. We have to go to the expert. It is God. He is the one who's turned the lights on. So when we come to him, we come to him in the light, that is whenever all of a sudden life can be changed. You, you know, you go to science, you try, you try to get it from science. Science will only produce purposelessness and meaninglessness. I, I, I was reading about a guy who said that, you know, he, he went looking for answers into science, and he said, man, that was not very healthy. All I found was that everything was by accident, according to science. And so he said, I have to find something of meaning. Isaiah 9-2, here it is. This is the message of Christmas. This is the thrill of hope. Here it is, the people walking in darkness. That's not too exciting. But here's the thrill. They've seen the light. When you are in a dark place and you see the great light, they have seen a great light. When you see that, it changes everything. When I was in the jungle, man, it was dark. When you had a flashlight, it changed. You could see something, right? Um, Think about this. He says that it is in the land of the deep darkness a light has dawned. He didn't say that a light sprung up from within. He said that a light has dawned, that the light has come on. So it comes from the outside, and here's where the light comes from. Here it is. John 8, 12. Jesus spoke, and he said to the people once more, he said, I am the light of the world. There it is. He is the light. He's going back. He's identifying with the light in Isaiah chapter 9. He is a fulfillment of the prophecy from 700 years earlier. And it's like all of a sudden the, click, the lights are clicking, literally. The lights are going on, right? And it's like, wow, he is the light of the world. And then Jesus takes it a step further. Look what he says here. If you follow me, you, uh, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. There it is, folks. You don't have to be consulting mediums and spiritists. You don't have to consult the stock market. You don't have to consult an expert. You come, and you don't even have to look at Google. You come right to God. You come right to God. And Jesus says that you will no longer walk in darkness, but you will walk in light. And so there's three things that light produces. You know, when you think about the sun... Uh, Because Isaiah says it was the light that had dawned. It was coming from the outside. When you think about the sun, think about this. Number one, light brings life. Light brings life. uh, If we were not, if we did not have the sun, we would freeze. You know, this is a hard time of year. It's cold enough. Uh, We don't get to see the sun like we want to. But if that sun were not there, we would freeze. Light produces life. 
Uh, Acts, over in Acts 17, this is really a powerful little passage here. Over in Acts 17, Paul is speaking uh, before the, the men of Athens. He's up, up before the, uh, for the area, uh, Areopagus. And what does he say here? I'm just going to read some background to you here. Acts 28, Acts 17. And he says, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore do you worship as unknown? This I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. He himself. God is the one who gave us life, breath, and everything. And then you jump down to verse 28. He tells him further, he says, In him we live and move and have our being. In Christ, in God. This is where we have our life. So life comes from him. And you, you look at the life that, that you, you know, you're here today because God's given you life. He's given you life in your body. He's given you life in your soul. He's given you life. And uh, in him we live. But, but I want you to understand that there's still the, the, broken, the brokenness that we live in. Gen, uh, Genesis 3 was the fall of man. God said, you will surely die if you ate of that tree. Man took the plunge, and so death came upon man. And so the bad news is, is that our physical bodies will die. All of us, these bodies are here for but a season. If we make it to 75 to, to 100, we're pretty happy, right? We're, we kind of feel like we hit, hit some markers in life. But uh, life, is, life is short. Uh, this, these physical bodies will die. And one day, God says that he will redeem those bodies. If you go and read what Paul talks about the rapture, he says that, those, that, that Jesus is coming back one day in the clouds and that, he will, that those which are asleep will rise first, then we which are alive and will remain will be caught up together in the air. So when he says those who are asleep, that is not referring to people who sleep in church. Okay, I know some of you are thinking you're going first, but that's not what happened, all right? It is, because, it is those that have died and gone ahead Absent from the body, present with the Lord, so we bury their body. And God says one day he's going to rise those bodies. And you're like, how is he going to do that? I have no clue. I have no clue how he raised, raised himself from the dead. But I know this, the same power that's in him lives in us. You see, we, our bodies will die. He will re, he, he's going to take these bodies. Now, imagine whenever this body dies, it gets buried, and then all of a sudden God raises it back on the, on the resurrection. Can you imagine seeing me with a full head of hair? Can, I mean, you can, can you imagine the abs I'm going to have as he puts this back together? He is going to redeem. There's going to be things I never had he's going to give me, right? He's going to be like, Wow. My wife's going to, you know, she's going to be chasing me all over heaven, you know. And, and, but, but, but you see, it's the, God is going to redeem that body. The next thing is our soul. You know right now, we are living in spiritual darkness. Your soul, your spirit. Let me, let me share with you some of the spiritual darkness that we deal with today. Um, the, the, the spiritual death, the spiritual death that we're experiencing, right? The darkness. Loss of meaning and hope. 
How many people do you know that say they just have no hope? They have no meaning. They don't know any direction in life. It's because the light's not turned on. See, this is part of the fall. Our sin, we're, we're living in this dark world. Um, how about addictions? How about desires that people just can't control, wreck their lives through the desires? How about deep discontentment that cannot be satisfied? Man, we're, we've got Black Friday all over. Now we've got like a whole month of shopping, 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 right? Listen, we have more money in, than, than most of the world, and it doesn't make us happy. Deep discontentment. Shame, struggles with identity, all these things. How about inability to change? We're, we're just not able to, to make those changes. You see, we live in darkness, and, and through the light, as we get more to the light. Listen, Jesus said in John eight twelve, when you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. If we're not following God, you're walking in darkness. Uh, Light brings truth. You know, when I go home at night and I turn the lights on, I can be the most sincere person with driving home with my lights off. And I will sincerely wreck. And you will too. And so you going through life without the light of God is like driving without your lights on. See, when you turn the lights on, it shows truth. Uh, When you go in for surgery, could you imagine a doctor operating on you without light? You know, how about, better yet, how about the dentist? Could you imagine the dentist looking in your, you know, you know you're in, he puts that light in there. I'm like, thank God he can see everything in there. Because I don't want him just hoping he hit it. <laughs> Whatever he had to do. You see, light is so important. And so light brings the truth. And so John 1.5, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. So God, too, is the source of all truth. He made your mind. He gave us the light to enlighten your mind. It comes from God's word. Light brings beauty. Light brings beauty. It does. You get your joy and your beauty uh, when, when, when the lights are on. How many times have you gone on vacation and you've taken a picture of the sunset? You love the sunset. It's just beautiful. You see the light. Or maybe there's a few of you, you actually get up in the morning and, and you make an appointment. You saw what time sunrise would be. And you go out there and you wait for the sun to come up. I've done it once. Uh, you wait for the sun to come up. You sat there at the ocean and all of a sudden on the horizon, boom, there's a little bit of light. And before you know it, the light is shining and it's brighter than ever. And you're like, how did that just happen? And that's what the beauty is all about. And so I want to encourage you today that there's great joy, there's great beauty and light. Look what Augustine said. Augustine said, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Until they find their rest in Christ, your heart will be absolutely restless. If you're restless this morning, may I suggest that there's a God problem. There's a light problem. Maybe there's a shadow. Maybe there's something in between there. You said, but I've trusted God a long time ago. But God says, I'm not banking on a long time ago. I want you today. And maybe there's something that's clouded in there, and you've been in darkness, and you've been consulting all the experts. God says, I don't want you to go to the experts I want you to come to me 
Because the light has dawned. And when God turns the light on, it will change your life. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. Isaiah 6, 9, 6. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Those four titles, they were only given to God. Nowhere else could you have a title, the Everlasting God. The Prince of Peace. These were the titles given to God. And so when Jesus came, was born of a virgin birth, and he fulfilled all those prophecies, may I share with you that he is God, and it was the light was given for you. And as I close this morning, I'd like to share with you a verse from Ephesians 1.18. And I would like this to be my prayer for you. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1.18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with the light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called. He has called his holy people who are rich, who are, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. You are the rich, glorious inheritance of God if you've trusted Christ. I pray that the light will flood your heart because without the light, there's no, no hope. Do you see the connection in that verse? I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, with Christ, so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to you. And this morning, I invite you to the God who dispelled the darkness. I invite you to Jesus, who is the light. He, he, he was prophesied 700 years earlier. And when Jesus arrives on the scene, the people who met Jesus... You know what? They had an option. When you meet Jesus, you can't just be indifferent. You see, indifferent is the same as saying no. You, you, the, the people who met Jesus, here's what they did. They came up and they, can, they saw Jesus. Either they were, they were scared, they were furious, or they worshiped. Nobody came to Jesus and said, well, I think he can help me live a better life. No, no, no. They saw that he is God. That he was the light. And so today, I offer to you this very same Jesus. What's your reaction to him? Are you furious? Do you get furious? Are, are you upset that he would claim to be God? Uh, or or, or are, you, are you scared? Or are you willing to bow down and worship? Let's close in prayer this morning. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to bow down and worship our great God. He's turned the light on for you. Uh, he has dawned the light. You don't have to muster it up from within. You can't muster it up from within. Only God can give the light. And he did it through his son, Jesus. There's the thrill. We were once walking in darkness. Now you can walk in the light. So if you're here and you say, Pastor Ken, I need to start a relationship with Jesus. I want to start walking in the light. Here's how you do it. You start by calling on him. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I invite you this morning to do that. Just pray a prayer something like this. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I've done wrong things. I want to invite you into my life. I've been walking in darkness. You came to this world. You died on the cross. 
You paid for my sin and you turned the light on that I might have eternal life. And I trust you right now with my heart. I trust you with my soul. And for others in here this morning, maybe there's been a shadow. Maybe you've allowed things to creep in between your relationship with God. Maybe you've been walking in darkness. This morning, I want to invite you to to ask God to help you move that darkness, to get in the light, to walk in the light. Father God, be with each of our people, Lord, as we respond to your great message. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this prophecy from 700 years ago. It's so thrilling, 700 years before Jesus ever arrives on the scene. And then Jesus comes and the light has come. You keep your promises. Thank you, Lord, and we honor you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for being here. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Our God is great, man. We thank our great God. We thank our great God.